Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the LGO Playbook Podcast. I'm Zach Morey, and I'm here with Matt Kilby, and we're excited for a conversation with Alex Wiggum, who shares with us some insights into his career journey and how his team at Wayfair is handling some of the struggles with working from home during the pandemic. Let's jump in. Alex, we want to just say thank you for joining us today. We're excited to get to know you a little bit better and to hear about some of your experiences. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Just to kick it off then, would you mind introducing yourself to us and the audience and just share a little bit about what you're doing, where you are? Definitely. So um, I'm a graduate of MIT's LGO class of 2015. Uh, After graduation, I spent a lot of time working in startups and different operational capacities. But for the last year, I've actually been back in Boston working for Wayfair, um, running our carrier performance management team. This is full truckload, less than truckload, and a small parcel carrier. So essentially, my mandate is to make sure that our carriers are delivering to our customers on time, and we sort of hold them accountable and and it's been a really fun role to learn more about transportation. Not something I had too much experience with before, but definitely something that my operational curriculum there at LGL really helped me prepare me for. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to hear about Wayfair, um, you know, especially as I sit here on my Wayfair couch. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh-huh, good for you. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think, you know, you know, the elephant in the room, um, obviously what we're here to talk about, um, is Tiger King, the Netflix show. <laughs> no, all jokes aside. Did, right? did so, Carol Baskin do it? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? But, um, no, in, in all reality, right. COVID-19 having an extreme effect on industries throughout the world, um, which provides, you know, unique challenges in each industry. So, um, you know, What's going on in your life, Alex? What have the big changes been? You know, I see you're, are you working from home? You know, what's going on? You know, what, how does it look from, you know, a a furniture sales company? Yeah, uh, really good question. Um, I think on my end, the, the big narrative is uncertainty, right? And that follows the whole thing in the, in the supply chain, not knowing, what our demand's going to be, not knowing what our supplier's capacity is going to be, not knowing um, how to keep our employees safe, not knowing what's truth from, um, from fiction out in the news. There's just a ton of uncertainty. And when you think back to the things that, that, that I learned and, and during my graduate experience, it's really about operations management is really taming uh, variability and uncertainty. And right now you have basically one of the most uncertain situations that could come across your plate. So uh, it, it's, it's definitely been a really big challenge. But I think some of the, some of the things that we've done and or when I look back and, under, and think about the way that we've approached uh, this experience and this challenge is just recognizing the importance of leadership and communication. So that's really been something that's come back to me as being of paramount importance and just one of the things that I've tried to do uh, with my team and it's modeled by uh, my other peers uh, here at Wayfair is like, we got to just admit and be honest, like we don't know what's going to happen. We don't have the secret. Uh, We don't know what's going to, how things are going to pan out one way or the other. 
Um, but the one key I think is just admitting that and saying, Hey, this is really important that, um, that we do as much as we can to try to make sure that we're able to deliver to our customers, particularly now that our CEO came out and mentioned that our, our revenue numbers are through the roof as people are at home. I'm at home. My whole team's at home. Uh, there's no plan on, at least there's, there's no date in the future where they're telling us we're going to come back yet. So uh, I'm getting comfy as well on my Wayfair uh, furniture uh, as well as a lot of customers are out there doing the same. So I think the, one of the biggest challenges I would say, and I, I don't think this is unique to me. I think this is probably everyone who's trying to lead teams is feeling the same way is this is a time that like you really want to have the, the soft human aspects of your leadership really shine but it's really difficult to do that when we're doing video calls and phone calls, you know, just like you and me, I can't read your body language. It's hard for me to, when I have one-on-ones with my team to say, Hey, how's, how are you doing? How are you holding up? You know, it's hard to read, like, are they, are they truly doing okay? Or, or are they just putting on a good face? And so um, I think that has been a very interesting leadership challenge, which is like, how, how can you, how can you be as, as human as possible a leader during this time when you can't actually, you know, shake someone's hand or, or look, you know, sit next to them. Um, so that's been something that I think has been uh, a really interesting leadership challenge. Thank you for that. So you mentioned that you're trying to stay connected with the team. You're admitting when you don't know something, what have you found is the biggest challenge for your team besides that uncertainty? Uh, for certain individuals, and I, I'm sure there's people um, who are in the same position. I mean, it's 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 simple as, hey, I have children and dogs in the house, and I got to try to work as well as manage, uh, you know, my family. Um, childcare, at least here in Boston, uh, non-essential childcare has been pushed out into uh, even more than a month from now, and so. I think it's people trying to feel like they're being productive from an environment that usually has not been one that you really had to be productive in. Wayfair never really had um, too much of a work from home culture. Um, also one of the benefits I think of Wayfair is for the most part, like once you leave work, uh, you can focus on your personal time, really, really positive work-life balance here at Wayfair. And so now all that kind of blends and trying to be uh, my employees with, with children, it's, it's very difficult for, for them to stay productive and uh, as well as like we're, we're booming. So there's a lot of work to be done. So I think that those have been the, besides the uncertainty, I think just like feeling and getting set up to feel like you're productive in the environment that you're working in has been kind of like a basic foundational concern. You know, it's super difficult to, <laughs> to stay productive, I think, um, when you're not in an office environment. And it's a struggle that I think everyone's going through right now. Um, I kind of want to go back to, you know, the actual logistical challenges that, that this is having on you. And if, if you don't mind talking about, you know, you said business is booming. And, you know, what has that effect looked like uh, on your team? Yeah, so we, one of the, one of the interesting things that we chose to do as, as a company is we actually, once we saw, saw the, the potential, one of the scenarios being that, Hey, we'd all have to work from home as we all worked from home before we had to sort of just test the systems. 
uh, test the database, test you know the SQL queries, test all the different things that allow us to run our operations. Um, would those work? And so that that gave us confidence when we did that and said, hey, you know, it wasn't too wasn't too problematic. But on the logistical side, on my team's perspective, I think my team for the most part is able to be fairly effective. Um, my team really is making sure we understand what carriers capacities are. A lot of our carriers, um, and these are, think about it as the 53 foot trucks rolling down the highway, their networks have all been messed up. Uh, they have customers that, that like to call it retail, brick and mortar retail, that they're not running any products. So their networks are getting uh, hung up. They have excess supply and capacity in some areas and, and it's, it's hard for them to continue to perform for us. So it's, it, my team has really just been hammering that home. Performance has maintained, which has been a really good sign. And it's a shout out to definitely the carriers that support our, our teams. But I think the, the surge that we're seeing in our demand is, I, I'm a big believer in this notion that you really learn about a lot about yourself and about your team during challenging moments, right? Um, and I, I would definitely say that's what we're doing now. Like we've been working through the weekends, long nights, and there's kind of this marathon versus sprint mentality. And I think when we initially went into this, we thought, oh, this is only going to last for two weeks, three weeks. So we go in there with a the sprinter's mentality. Now we realize actually uh, we probably need to just reserve some of the, our mental capacity so that we can get through this and, and approach it as a marathon and take your breaths when you can. So the, on the logistical side, business is booming. We're working more hours. Um, we probably have more meetings than we ever had before just to check in. And that's one big thing that I think from a leadership perspective, just trying to check in with people, share a little bit of what folks are up to, what, you know, what Netflix show is, is everyone work, uh, watching? Um, what video games are people into right now? Uh, learning a little bit more. And I, in some ways, I think it's uh, perhaps paradoxical, but in some ways I think our team has grown a lot closer because we're kind of in this, um, we're in this crucible, this uh, under a lot of pressure, under a lot of heat to try to perform and get stuff out to our customers. And so we've really refined a lot of things, but at the same time, um, we miss that human connection. Yeah, I mean, this is quickly going to turn into a leadership through Netflix, Netflix podcast. I, I like it. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that insight into the, into the team level. Help, help me understand what, what you see Wayfair doing that's either inspiring or maybe the opposite, that you'd like to see them do a little bit better. Yeah, I think in the beginning, I'd say the first few days, that uncertainty picked up, right? We didn't know what the direction was, but very quickly we started deciding as a company, all right, this is the direction, just we're gonna stay at home. These fulfillment centers are gonna to continue to run. Uh, we're gonna to continue to go business as usual as much as possible. And that I think has been super important just to give people reassurance of, okay, this is what my life's gonna look like for the next few weeks. And I think that was important to, it's just a reminder of 
when big when big important decisions need to be made, it's 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 nice to have that almost be kind of a centralized decision. So leadership from top down saying, okay, this is what we're going to do, making those decisions allows everyone else to kind of rest easy and say, all right, this is the plan. On the the different things that we've done to protect our customers and our employees, I think is definitely very admirable. So very early on, we we stopped allowing our last mile carriers. So these are the people that actually deliver the couch that you're sitting on Matt into your apartment. We basically started saying, Hey, we're, we're not going to allow them to enter into people's homes. So they'll either going to drop it at your curb or drop it at your door, uh, the items. And the customers appreciate that too, because, you know, they don't know where these drivers are coming from and the drivers obviously want to be protected. And even though that's a lower, you'd consider that a lower service offering in a normal, um, environment. I think both both parties benefited from that. Also on our employees, particularly the frontline workers in the fulfillment centers, folks that are um, at the hourly, uh, hourly associates, being able to supplement their income uh, during this as almost kind of like a hazard pay mentality has been very useful, particularly as we are competing for manpower with the likes of Amazon and Target and Walmart and everyone else that's competing for, for quality warehouse um, labor that's been important i just saw that we just sent out masks that have nice little uh, wayfair logos on them so uh, everyone can kind of have some uh, little spirit on their mask Um, but way before that obviously we had had a new pp structure with uh, to protect our employees uh, while they're at work and uh, the local site leadership i would say have done a really great job of making sure that their employees feel um, protected, making sure their employees know that if, if they have to stay home to take care of someone that has been affected by this, we basically immediately gave out a two week sort of a sick time pay um, to, to folks to so that they didn't have to worry about making decisions like that. So I, I think at the end of the day, just letting our employees know that, hey, we got their backs and letting our customers know that, hey, we're going to try to get you stuff as uh, with the same quality of service as before. Um, but also to, to do it safely and to, and to do it um, with this, this new status quo that we're living in. Yeah, I mean, it's such a complex problem. Like we sit here as customers and well, right now a lot of us are doing online shopping and we want, you know, whether it's Amazon or Wayfair, we order something and we expect to have it quickly. But then, you know, then you also see you know, the Amazon workers, I think it was, was it New York that went on strike or did they walk out right? Like, and if, but you also want to care about their safety. Um, it's just such a tough problem. Um, but I think it's awesome that you guys did that, um, and you guys were one of the few companies I think that are continuing to hire through this vice, you know, layoff and furlough. Correct? Yeah, we're um, you know obviously Amazon announced how many people they're hiring. I think anyone, you know, if you look at what is Wayfair, it's e- e-commerce retail, right? And e-commerce has been growing at 16, 17% a year for the past 10 years. And obviously you're going to see this just, uh, we knew that this era was going to come eventually. This is probably going to be an accelerant to just a new way of people shopping. We see from on our website, um, people who have the new users coming and ordering for the first time is, is breaking records. And so we, we obviously have, uh, a big part in that. 
but I think understanding like the, like back to your point about consumers, not always understanding how the sausage is made uh, at the end of the day, like you're just moving boxes around and you need people to do that. And you want to make sure people are doing that safely and just the same concerns you would having new employees come in. It's making sure they're finding uh, following the right protocols, making sure they're bending their knees when they've been down to pick something up, simple OSHA type stuff, like all of that becomes really important because there's this urgency to get products out the door, but you want to do it the right way. You want to do it in a way that's safe and, and scalable. And uh, I, I think we're the, there's, there's never been a more important time, I think for e-commerce uh, to shine. And, and we're doing that with the ability of the carriers, the carriers that I manage and uh, with the likes of FedEx and UPS on small, small parcel. And then the, the bigger stuff with a, a whole portfolio of different carriers uh, they're a big part of this as well. Alex, I was wondering if you could talk to me just a little bit about what you, you know, you started at Wayfair about a year ago. I mean, talk about getting thrown into the fire pretty quickly, but what, what are you, what are you hoping to do over the next few years as we ideally transition away from crisis mode um, with maybe personally with your team? What do you, what do you see Wayfair doing? Before I, before I went to MIT, I was uh, manufacturing. So I'd worked for John Deere and Big Plant. Uh, I really loved seeing things come in from one side of the, of the factory, raw materials, you know, plates of steel and buckets of paint and engines and transmissions. And then on the other end of the factory, completed product goes out. To me, there was like definitely a magic in that and seeing that process. Being more exposed, I think, to transportation and how transportation networks function, I, I feel like I've, I'm starting to feel like that same kind of magic. Uh, so I'm really excited and I kind of want to chase that feeling, if that makes sense. Uh, one of the great things about being here, uh, being a Boston-based company, is that we, we actually have a partnership with MIT Center for Transportation and Logistics, which is um, uh, headed by uh, Dr. Chris Kaplis. And I, who I had a chance to take classes with when I was at MIT. And he obviously has the whole transportation bug as well. Like he it's, it's super interesting. If you're interested in systems engineering and understanding the, the, the flows of material and all the intricacies of getting things from point A to point B safely and on time, it's a very interesting problem. And one in which I think there is a, you know, it's, it's something that potentially I can make a career out of. It's certainly intellectually interesting enough, everything from operations research models that tell you how to move things through um, more efficiently to real-time visibility of where your products are and being able to feed that information back to customers. Uh, there is a ton of room for transportation, within supply chain, the transportation elements of supply chain, I think has a, is gonna, you're gonna see a huge boom in that. And it's also interesting from an economic standpoint where you have, uh, I think fleets of trucks, uh, I'm not going to get the statistic right, but it's something like fleets of trucks that have 10 or less trucks in them make up 80% of the market. So it's not a market that is dominated by, you know, one or two really big guys, even though you may see on um, the trailers, uh, JB Hunt or Schneider, these big names as you're rolling down the highways. It really is a, there's pretty low barriers to entry. If you want to haul freight, you can do it. Um, and so from an economic standpoint, it's a kind of a pure market in this boom and bust cycle where when 
when the rates are good, people want to get in. And when the rates plummet, people go out of business, right? And have to sell their rigs. So it's also very interesting from that perspective where um, you'd think it would be a commodity, particularly when you want performance and particularly when you want data on real-time visibility and proactive um, exception reporting and everything else you'd want. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity, I think, for the industry to grow. And I think uh, it's a very, very exciting time to be in transportation, and particularly here at Wayfair, where there is still that feeling of, of being a startup and learning um, how to do it right. Yeah, that, that takes me back. I took logistics systems with, uh, with Chris this past fall, so um, extremely interesting. Now, you talked about last mile, and a lot of companies are really focusing on last mile. You know, Amazon you know, recently made the shift from two day to one day. Um, you know, that's extreme stresses on a logistics network. Um, you know, what is the most important thing you think for Wayfair in the next two, three years um, in terms of transportation strategy? Uh, is it, yeah, I'll, I'll let you answer. What, what, do you, what do you think it is? Yeah, it's, it's something we ask ourselves a lot and something that we're focusing on is trying to understand what's the ideal state look like. Um, just like any startup, um, keep in mind, it was as recent as 2016, where Wayfair went set in earnest, hey, we're gonna own our own supply chain. Before that, pretty much just a marketplace company, right? You'd place an order for something you wanted, we'd send that order to the supplier, the supplier would figure out a way to get it to you. Um, clearly, that's not the best experience for the customer, has very little visibility, there's a lot of damages, uh, it's very expensive. So as we took more and more and try to get to own more of the experience and the operations behind it, uh, we, we move really fast. And when you move really fast, uh, you're not always doing things in the, the best way, most ideal way. So right now we're, we have a team that we're focused on trying to basically answer the question that you're asking, which is how do we set up transportation and really the, the fulfillment operation to, to be scalable into the future. How do we do it so it requires less people? Or um, how, does it, how, how do we do it so that we have proactive reporting where we know the problems are? Um, that's, that's where I really see the, our focus uh, gonna be, but it's, it's a long process. And anytime you're moving from trying to move a big ship, I think it's, it, it takes time and effort, but I, I know that it's going to require also a lot of technical improvements in the way that we think and model our networks, the way, the data that we have. And you might've seen the last week, uh, a former MIT LGO leader for global operations, uh, Jim Miller uh, accepted the, he had been the interim CTO at Wayfair, but now he's accepted the full-time role. So he's going to uh, lead everything from the technology stack perspective and, I've been fortunate enough to have a few lunches with him and um, shoot the breeze a little bit. And I think that's a really, really powerful get for, for Wayfair. And so, so I think, honestly, you think about operations and supply chain, if you don't have strong systems supporting you, if you don't have strong models, if you don't have strong data architecture, your, your ceiling is going to be pretty low going into the future. So a big part of us designing the future is understanding like, what information do we need? When do we need it? Where does it come from? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that journey, but yeah, we're asking ourselves, that's, that's definitely a question that we have teams working on 
Um, but in, in my case, particularly with my team, we're, we're just trying to figure out how, uh, how, can we, how we can figure out how to work less hours on Saturday and Sunday. And one of the last questions I had for you was, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty around hiring. What does the job landscape look like? Um, and for, for people looking to get into operations, uh, you know, manufacturing, which you've had experience in, like what, what are some of the, you know, what, what's some advice that you have for those people moving forward, especially in a time that like this, that's so uncertain. Right now, I think, whatever people can be doing to improve their technical skills, whether it's going to code Academy and or care Coursera and learning Python or learning even simpler languages like SQL, um, learning how to manipulate data. I think the operations leader of the future is one who really understands that what ask the question, say, what data do we need? How do we get it efficiently? And then how do I use that data to create insights? that improve my operation. If you look at someone like Amazon and the behemoth that they've created, a lot of that has to do with um, them having operations first mentality and then using data effectively to deliver better experiences, better products to their customers. I think that is a really, really good template for anyone who's looking to go into operations. The, the operational leader of the, uh, of the past that, you know, is, is, is a good leader and a good motivator and, can make sure that, you know, keep absenteeism rates low and keep people happy. Like that's obviously important, but you're, you're, you're going to be handicapped if you don't have the technical abilities. Um, and I, I think in some cases that might scare people off, but just investing a little bit, I think particularly in, you know, right now, if you have the time is going to, you know, be worth its weight in gold after this, because to be able to get to e-commerce for sure, manufacturing for sure as more automation gets in, um, part of that it, it's going to require people that can understand data and also people that can ask, answer the questions on their own if needed and not have to wait for an analyst or some other folks to, to answer their questions that, that's that's what i'd recommend as guidance for for folks that are looking to get in operations i think it is a i'm obviously biased but I think it is an incredible industry to get into. Supply chain is, is going to be more and more important. Uh, what we're going through right now shows you how important it is from supply chain, whether it's masks uh, in, in, uh, or ventilators, being able to see how certain companies like Ford and other uh, car manufacturers have been able to pivot their supply chains to help. Uh, I think it's been really interesting. It's been a long time since we really talked about manufacturing in the news. Uh, other than automation, right? Other than people losing their jobs. And so I think being able to highlight that at the end of the day, what you're sitting on, uh, the computers that we're doing, using on this video call, everything had to get made. Everything has to get from point A to point B. There's no teleportation. 3D printing uh, is, is not going to produce everything. Uh, and so I think that's really exciting, um, an exciting future for manufacturing. And, you know, I think it's, it's going to be very exciting for anyone who wants to get involved right now. This is, these are changing times and one where operational leadership and operational talent is going to be super, super important. That's awesome advice. And, you know, I think a lot of, um, there's a lot of courses being offered for free right now too. I think the, you know, just the e-learning e community in general, I think realizes this, um, 
you know, what's going on. And I think there's a lot of opportunities to get out there, dive in, learn some code, you know, better yourself. So anyone listening to this, definitely, you know, take advantage of those resources. Yeah, thank you, Alex, for sharing that. And just my final question for you is, is there, is there any other final thoughts or experiences or story that you want to share with our audience today? I told myself that if I ever had a chance to get on this podcast, I'd like to give a quick shout out to uh, the LGOs of uh, 2015. We, um, you know, this, this is our five year reunion, although it's not yet been decided, but likely won't happen in person. Uh, it's been five years, which feels, makes me feel so old. I obviously have a lot less hair, uh, but the same amount of energy. And I wanted just to share a quick story of, um, uh, of our plant trek experience where we had also had to deal a little bit with uncertainty, but in the day we had good leaders. And so part of LGO's experience at MIT is um, after your first semester uh, in the, in the winter, you visit eight to 10 different factories across the country. These are partner companies that support the program and you go and get to see their operations and ask questions and learn and, that was a really fun experience for us. And it, with the day that we were supposed to fly out to Detroit was when the polar vortex had hit. And this was back in uh, early 2014. And so it had basically grounded all flights. Um, we were on, and we were supposed to take off that evening. And very quickly, uh, Scott Bromley from my class and some others on the leadership team had put together a plan for us to rent vans and drive through the night all the way to get to Detroit to be able to make all our connections out of Detroit out to the West Coast and to Nike and Boeing and Amazon. And uh, that was one of the really fun experiences. So I know that there's, there's obviously a lot of pain and a lot of uh, anxieties and fear that is happening around right now. The things will improve. And the one thing that helps uh, reduce uncertainty and, and create clarity, I think, is good leaderships making uh, good leaders making good decisions in important times. And I think the, uh, I'm just happy to be a part of this. And I really thank you guys for, for allowing me to share my story and a little bit of what I'm going through right now. And uh, I might have to, I might have to call this short to get back to work here, but I really appreciate you guys this time today. And, and, um, I wish you guys the best. That's awesome. We love a good, uh, domestic plane truck story. I think we've got uh, we've got quite a story from ours this past year too. And I think we had 10 people have the flu, which was it the flu or was it not the flu? Who knows? <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, we appreciate your time, Alex. This was, this was a great conversation. Uh, All right, guys. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate Thanks, it. Alex. See you soon. And that's it for this episode of the LGO Playbook Podcast. A big thank you to Alex for joining us, and we look forward to keeping in touch with you in future episodes. Until next time.